This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Minutia Man is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine Opie show. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Minutia Men on the Radio Misfits. Today on this week's Minutia Men, we're talking about Nazi stuff. Oh, and then we're talking talking about a cub, because we do that. We have an interview with a guy or a girl. We don't even It's Mark Cuban. We're interviewing celebrities. Ooh, it's Minutia Men celebrity interview. They clearly, we're all in a great place for this. We're just we're spending like a full minute ripping on Minutiaman. The only reason we even exist, the only reason this whole goddamn network exists, I swear. The best thing this show has going for it right now is that it's on the same network as Minutiaman. And friends. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Both Rick and Dave. And we don't we don't charge you extra for it. It's like a Groupon. Yeah. Right? It is. Or or with me it's a Jupon. <laughs> okay. Hey oh, good to see you. Yeah. Dave is Dave is Jewish. Right. Yes. Uh Speaking of Jews, yeah, Rick, we have a guest coming up later. We actually lately have been knocking down a lot of Jews and celebrity guests. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm allowed to say that, but you right, can say uh, it. Uh, uh, last week, Lauren. Go- well, last week was Lauren Gold from the Who, right? Yes. A yes. uh, couple of weeks ago, we had Amy Landecker, who's Jew-ish, yes, right? Half, uh, half, yes. Um, and we have another one of my people. Uh, today, Josh Gondelman. Rick, why don't you tell everybody who Josh Gondelman is? So Josh Gondelman is a comedy writer, a comedian. He's uh, He was one of the main writers of uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which is uh, has won many Emmy Awards and Peabody Awards, and he's a, a very funny guy. But he's something else, Dave, that uh, not many comedians can say. Uh, what's well? The, the way he's Jewish, a lot of them can say that. No, that's not it. He's bald. He's bald. No, there's that's like, not it. Larry David. No, what? 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 What is he that nobody else can? He's nice. Yeah, he is. He's, he's very, very nice. He's nice, which is very rare. In fact, yeah. I'll, I'll play you a clip and you can get, get an idea of what he's like. Here we go. I'm an optimist, and I live in New York City, where nobody likes that. Uh, <laughs> nobody in New York likes it when you think things are going to be okay. Everybody in New York loves a pessimist. Everybody loves a guy in a black leather jacket smoking a cigarette. Like, we were all born just to die. (laughs) Flicks the lit button a rat's face. Life is pain, little buddy. Learn it. Everybody in New York sees that dude. They're like, that's a cool guy right there. That guy gets it. He probably also knows why the Velvet Underground is a good band. He can probably taste the difference between different kinds of beer instead of just going, "Mm, very beery and putting it down forever the way I do. That's Josh. That he'll be on later uh, later day. You know what's great about the pandemic? What's which that? not a lot of not a lot of people say that. What's great about the pandemic um, is that these celebrities they're at home. It's <laughs> true. It's true. We if you noticed we have uh, we have upped our game a little bit in terms of who the guests are. Right, right. It's sure I'll do it. What else do I have? To, you know what I have to do. So 
Uh, thank you to Josh uh, Gondelman, who will be on later on today. Should we get going? We don't want to keep Josh yep, waiting, yep, right? Yep. All right. Let's just roll. Here we go. You're listening to Minutia Men, featuring the wacky exploits of your good pals, Rick and Dave. Give them 22 minutes and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. And here is Dave to prove that. So, uh, Rick, this is from our health desk, and you can imagine that the guys at the health desk, yeah, you know, they've been very busy the last couple of yeah, weeks, ex- months, exactly. right? Yeah, they're putting in, they're putting in sixteen hour days. Right, right, and they're not, and they're still getting nothing. Right, um, but I've got some good news. And in lieu of the media and how everything is a bar, right? You yeah. know, it's death death counts and whatever. I've got some good news, and this comes out of the UK. All right. Well, I'm listening. Uh, uh, a, a mom and a social influencer so, by the name of by the name of Tracy Kiss. So, like, so she, probably Instagram or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Whatever. She's a social influencer. Okay. Um, and she, um, so Tracy Kiss, she's not worried about COVID nineteen at all. Not at all. Okay? okay. Now she's got. A re, you know, you, do you want to know why she's not concerned about COVID nineteen? I would love to know why. Well, what she has discovered is that she takes a sperm smoothie every morning. Okay, she a sperm follows <laughs> a sperm smoothie every morning. She gets some spinach, she gets some broccoli, she has some you know bell peppers in it. She mixes it all up in a Cuisinart maybe. And what she does, she reaches in the refrigerator where she keeps a Tupperware bin of her boyfriend's sperm, and she puts it in there, and that is how she is boosting her immunity or your immune system to ward off COVID nineteen. This is not real. It is well, it's on the internet. It's real. Um, <laughs> uh, and saying years. Right? So, so wait a minute. She, she, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She keeps a a uh, a pouch of her boyfriend's stuff in the uh, refrigerator. I don't think it's a pouch because that wouldn't keep it fresh, Rick. <laughs> it, it's it, it's in some Tupperware. It's you know she burps the you know remember the Tupperware. Burp? Oh yeah, sure, the, yeah. The, the, the she has boyfriend. Yeah. Tooth, yeah. Sperm. I don't know how he does it, but uh, what happens it puts it in a Tupperware bin for her. And I, mean, I imagine they're not they're not living together. They're not married. That would be a sin. <laughs> right. I would assume. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And and then she does take it. Now there is a funny quote here. She has been doing this for four years, okay? Um, but she's only had this boyfriend for two years. So there was a two-year lag, right, where she was she needed a new vendor, right? This is for real. Yes, this is for real. So what she did is she asked her. She had a really the gym. She, uh, so you're crapping out a little bit. So, so. um, so there's somebody at the gym where she was, yeah, you know, going, and she asked a buddy of hers to produce sperm for her uh-huh. in order. In order for her to do these sperm smoothies, uh, they they weren't even dating. And I think that was nice of him, right? Yeah. To produce this. Yeah. uh, But anybody out there who is worried about 
Yeah, again, again, and now you know. We're, we're not asterisk. Actually- uh, look at the bottom of the page, and we're going to say uh, uh, the uh, the makers of this show have no <laughs> right are are not uh, believers in this technique. Uh, no, but it will be on our Eckert's Press site coming up next this Friday. I'm gonna I'm gonna have we'll be selling it. Well, you know Jim, what's funny Jim is Baker. isn't this pretty much. Yeah, with the sort of crap that we've been peddling, or I mean, not us, but you know, other guys have been peddling for years. For years, yeah, honey, for years. it's filled with nutrients. Right, right, exactly. You're exactly. not doing this for me. You're yeah. doing it for you. Well, I still think we have got to create that fake medical website. Well, there's the first we... article right here. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's a, and it's not even kind of fake. If somebody else is doing it, it's not fake. The right? only thing that's missing is like the justification for the damage that has been caused by not releasing once the launch sequence has begun. <laughs> right, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, she I... yeah, it, what happens is it's, it gets damaged and you know, it's, it's got to come out. There's nothing we can do about it. Right, and other flavors have to go with a yeah, exactly. I guess yeah, you're still diversity. You, know, you yeah. are crapping out again, which uh, is is rather annoying. But uh, what are you going to do? Right. Okay. Um, I, I'd I'd like to share a story with you, Dave. Um, and this is uh, last week we did a bit where I talked about meeting the 1990s Chicago Bulls, and we had a uh, we had a song that we played, and people started sending me Bulls stuff. And one thing that was sent to me was. This clip of a comedian named Joe Kilgallen, um, and it's about Michael Jordan. You got uh, a minute and 30 seconds? Rick, I've got like nine weeks. Okay, so I'll play it for you, and and, uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. Here we go. Growing up in Chicago, of course, I'm a fan of the greatest basketball player of all time, and that's not LeBron James. Sorry, but it's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I love that man. Love him. People will try to, like, bring me down a little bit. Like, you know, I go across the country. I got a lot of friends from all over the place, and they'll try to tell me, hey, Joe, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in real life, Michael Jordan is not a good guy. Yeah, Michael Jordan's kind of a jerk in real life. Do you still love him? Is he still your hero? And I'm always like, six championships. I don't give a shit. I'm not asking to babysit my kids, all right? Six titles. I could walk in on Michael Jordan fucking my wife, and I would not care. I wouldn't care. I'd walk in, I'm like, how's he, babe? How's MJ? How's he doing? He's got that tongue thing going on. Is he using his tongue? God damn it, I love you, Jordan. Fucking love you, man. Dude, after you're done, I want you to sign my dick. I want you to sign my dick. I want a two on this ball, three on that ball. Fuck, you made my life awesome growing up. Damn, you're amazing. Ten scoring titles, right? It's amazing. I know some of you are probably thinking, come on, Joe. If you walked in on Michael Jordan having sex with your wife, you'd be furious. Maybe I would. Maybe I would be mad. Maybe I'd kick that door open and be like, what the fuck, Jordan? Get the hell off my wife, MJ. Get the fuck off her. And then he looks at me and goes, dude, you giving me the shrug? Like against Portland? You just gave me the shrug? God, you're amazing. Dude, how'd you do that? Six three-pointers in one half? Oh, dude, oh, dude, you're the best, man. You're the fucking best, dude. Five MVPs, unreal. God. (laughs) That is really true. It is totally true. You know. (laughs) It's totally uh, true. uh, So, well, um, I I have a, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to 
counter that, I hope. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think I shall pass. Michael, I yeah. think. So, again, you're crapping out. Uh, so I'm going to make an audible here. Uh, and okay. I'm going to say we're going to jump right to uh, another segment right now, if that's all right with you, Dave. Sure. All right. Let's uh, let's go to the celebrity potpourri. Here we go. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity, and then uh, tells, uh, then and asks me to tell the story of what happened with that celebrity. And you know, since we're loca- located in different locations now, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pull a name out of the uh, jar. I'm just going to tell a story about somebody that I'd like to tell a story about. And I've chosen for this week, Dave, I've chosen Neil Young. Okay. Okay. And I'll tell you why I picked him, because I just saw this unbelievably great uh, documentary called Echo in the Canyon. Have you seen that? I have not. I I highly recommend it. It's about uh, music from California in the uh, late 60s and, uh, you know, all all the stuff that was going on there. And, And if you are a fan of the birds... I highly recommend you watch it. Tom Petty is in it. Uh, it's hosted by uh, Bob Dylan's son, Jacob oh, Dylan. Okay. It's really, really good. And Neil Young is kind of in it, but basically he's in it uh, as, a, as a punchline to stories about what a jerk he is. <laughs> Which, Just like Jordan. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and Neil Young is kind of uh, one of those guys that – uh, you you know that he's not going to be a nice guy, right? Can't you just kind of tell? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I could see that. So I met him at Farm Aid, and at Farm Aid, he was one of the three organizers of that uh, original Farm Aid in 1985. It was Willie Nelson, John Cougar Mellencamp, and Neil Young. And so Neil Young was there uh, at the very beginning of the day, like at 8 o'clock in the morning, and that's when I was there interviewing people and you know meeting these celebrities and, and that was the that was for up at eight o'clock in the morning in college probably right it might have been it might have yeah. been the first time ever um but neil young was crabby uh at that time and he was doing a charity thing but you know he was not an 8 a.m guy let's put it that way mm-hmm. in fact all the guys that were there early on that day were all crabby and neil young was one of them so I kind of avoided him because he scared me. He's got that look in his eye like, you know, you say something wrong, he's going to be all over you, right? So I did not uh, I did not engage. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know if I even want to watch him. But do you remember his performance in at uh, Farm Aid that night? You know, I, I, I don't. I remembered – I mean, I re- remembered Van Halen. I remember Daryl um, Hall's. But no, I don't remember Neil Young's, I don't think. Well, so he got up there towards the end of the night and, you know, it was dark outside already. And it was, you know, a little, there was a little chill in the air. It was in September, I believe. And he um, starts going into Old Man. You know that song, Old Man? Of course. And the whole place was hushed. And it was just him with the guitar. And then the lighter started coming on. And he started singing this song, and it was just 
it was like goosebumps. It was un- and the entire crowd started swaying back and forth along with the song. And it, it was almost like a religious experience. It was sure. one of the greatest performances I've ever seen of a song that I didn't even like that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, and now I love that song. And every time I hear that song now, I think back to that moment. And I think back to what a great performer Neil Young was. I may not be a nice guy based on the documentary and based on my short, brief uh, meeting of him, but he was a great performer. Well, and he still is. He's he's still performing now, I would assume. And he still is. And we have another great performer who actually is a nice guy. (laughs) Josh Gommelman will be coming up right after and just right after these messages. If you missed Losano or Losano and friends, here's what you missed. I'm Rokan. Do you like to talk about <laughs> politics? I actually don't. Politics, the problem is I'm, I have no problem discussing politics. I just don't like uh, discussing it from that left-right paradigm the way that, that talk radio does it. Right. You know, where most of the, either, you know, the hosts are either, you know, very far to the right or very far to the left. Right. You know, most of them are very far to the right. And I grew up in this business, so I know what the trick is. And this is before talk radio was actually a political force in the 1980s. Yeah. I would say that two-thirds of the conservative talk shows in America don't believe anything that they're saying. Yeah. They're doing it solely to agitate so they can get phone calls. Right. There's a couple of things that worry me about the future. I mean, I, this is, I'm getting to be an old man, because it's like, I, all of a sudden, you know, back in my day, we didn't have <laughs> Armenian girls having sex with black guys. <laughs> you know, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And this is not against, you know, the uh, Republicans or conservative philosophy, because I, I happen to vote Republican more than I do Democrat, but I, I vote for both. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a centrist. I could yeah. see both sides, and I decide who's who's got the better idea at that moment right. that I think is going to be better for the future. It's not always the same thing. It's not always right. some sort of dogma. The left dogma doesn't make any sense to me, and no. most of the right stuff doesn't make any right. sense to me. Well, I've always said MSNBC and Fox News, neither of them are news channels or no, entertainment no, no. channels. Oh, and it's that's, all entertainment. But people perceive it because they put the label news on it and present it like news. Right. And it's like, no, it's just talking point. The Federal Trade Commission should do something about that. It is completely entertaining. And I've worked in cable news. Yeah. And I use that term loosely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I worked with Glenn Beck. I know. Do you I think know. that Glenn Beck oh my gosh. has any... I was his fill-in when he was at CNN. Yeah. To bring this around full circle, he was a morning DJ in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Glenn... Yeah. As a showman, I mean, he's he, he didn't get in this for the right. politics of it. Right, right. I think Rush truly believes what he says. It. Really, I do. I yeah. always thought of him as more of an entertainer uh-uh. than anything. No, wow. I think he really believes it, mm. and he's very he's entertaining at doing it. He's yeah. very entertaining at doing and it, and he could do it without calls. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's what I'm very saying. few guys can do that. Right. There's everybody in conservative talk radio has a first and last name. That's like the same thing. Hugh Hewitt. <laughs> and uh, like Lou Lewis, and there's guys. I mean, literally, there are guys that you know. Tom Thompson. It's like, really? You think we're that stupid? We can't remember your name. That you have to name yourself twice. <laughs> Assholes. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell. Lausano, or whatever it's called. And we're back. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Yeah, he's a comedian, a comedy writer, producer, 
and an author. His latest book is called Nice Try, and it came out last September. Please welcome to the show, Josh Gondelman. Josh, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you guys? We're doing good. We finally got our uh, technical uh, issues uh, hammered out here. Um, Word has it that you are a nice person, and that you come (laughs) from a long line of nice people, and you can prove it with the story that goes back generations. Oh, I'm still, yeah. I'm still skeptical, Josh. <laughs> no, ahead. listen to this. I mean, He's got a story. No, you're you're right to maintain a healthy skepticism. <laughs> uh, that so in my book, I mean, I that's the rumor I'm spreading is that I'm a nice person and I have a nice family. But uh, yeah, the story that makes me that uh, is just like made me realize like that my personality is at least somewhat genetic. Is my grandfather years ago uh, was at a party where the dessert had been sabotaged uh like the the hostess had asked a friend for a recipe the friend didn't want to give it to her because it was a family recipe but didn't want to seem uh like disingenuous yeah Uh, so she gave so she gave her the recipe with an ingredient missing the hostess didn't make a practice run of the recipe just assuming like i'll whip this up served it at the party it was horrible nobody could eat more than two bites my grandfather morton ate his full serving and so the hostess wouldn't feel bad asked for seconds and i was like oh yeah that's what i'm like that's my personality (laughs) well coming from someone also that i mean i like to think that i'm nice but really i think i'm just scared to be mean basically (laughs) you know it's just easier to be nice and just take it you know what i mean yeah i mean i think sometimes like scared to be mean is fine and reasonable i'm also not like effective at being mean i'm not good at it it yeah, doesn't feel good to me it doesn't produce results oh i know i when yeah when i like yell at my kids they just laugh at me yeah, yeah. When, i have no credibility whatsoever when yeah. we go out to a restaurant and uh, you know that i get a bad meal delivered to me you know I, i'll just sit there and and take it and my wife will go would you send it back that's yeah, that that the steak is it's it's not even cooked. No, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, I'll, right. I'll 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 plow through. I mean, they meant well. They tried their best. Botulism never hurt anybody. It's you know also I mean? like unless something is like noticeably full of botulism. Yeah. It, to me, it's just like they did. Yeah. They gave it their best. Yeah. And like what? Yeah. It has to be something has to be so bad for me to like complain about it in a way that would get someone in trouble. Exactly. You know. The, to me, there's there's a difference between like, oh, hey, I asked for uh, sweet potato fries and you brought regular fries or vice versa. Is there any way we could we could change this up? Uh, you know, just a little a little easy to understand mistake versus like this is bad and you need to fix it. It's like, <laughs> exactly. It takes me so much to get to that level because it's like it's not it's so rarely worth it to me to make that hassle and get whatever I'm dissatisfied about rectified at like the expense of screwing over someone else. Well, you know, when I was in college, I actually was in the journalism department and I wanted to switch into the advertising department and they goofed up my, you know, the administrator goofed up. So I spent another semester in journalism just because I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so so I've got your nice buddy, and I have just raised your nice. That's you know, incredible. Uh, you know, uh, I've read a lot of your stuff, and and you know, I'm not just being nice. I am being nice, but we really love your stuff, both Rick and I do. I mean, we really think you're great. Uh, Thank but, you so much. 
but I think my favorite thing that I've ever read was an article that you did, and it may even be in your book. I don't even know. Uh, my Adventures with Penis Numbing Spray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, please tell us that. And if you've got a brand that you might want to recommend, we have a friend that might want to use it. So, uh, it is. So this is the deep cut. Uh, this was, I mean, must have been seven years ago. Yeah, it came on 13. Asked, yeah. Yeah. I've done a bunch of writing for New York Magazine, including The Cut, which is their kind of like fashion vertical, kind of a women's magazine. Um, and I've done a lot of writing for them. And there was a period in like 2013 where they'd asked me to do just kind of like dirt straight guy stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like the guy they would call to do that. So they me to review and write about this penis spray uh, that is marketed with lidocaine in it. So it's like serious business marketed towards premature ejaculators. <laughs> and, and my response, of course, is like, why would you ask that? Who have you been talking to? <laughs> and so it became this like uh, chaos. It, the, the woman I had just started dating was like, I don't like this. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I feel that. And, uh, <laughs> And then the the um, CEO of the company got very mad at me for what I wrote, um, and so it was it was real. It became a real uh, period of chaos in my life. So uh, I was going to. So you haven't used it since. And you can, I have not used it since. I don't okay. know. I might have thrown it out. I might have like left it in my old apartment when I moved in with my then girlfriend, now wife. <laughs> That'd be a nice little present for whoever came in there next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're currently the supervising producer and writer of. I'm going to leave. Oh, you I, yeah. I'm a, uh, now co executive producer co -executive. and writer okay. at, at um, Jesus and Marrow. Which is a, a late night show and talk show uh, mm -hmm. on, on Showtime. Okay. And, and uh, how did you hook up with those guys? And, and how has this this whole pandemic uh, changed your approach to the show? Because obviously you're, you're going through some of the stuff that we're going through here uh, technically. Absolutely. I got hooked up with them. I um, I was a, I wrote for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver for several years. And while I was still there... I got asked to meet with Jesus and Mero, who are moving their show from the previous network. It was a Viceland, and they're moving it to Showtime. And so I, you know, I thought, you know, I'd been I'd been at Last Week Tonight for a long time. I had such a great experience there, and but I really I think Jesus and Mero are so funny, and was like, you know, if I ever want to have a different job, if this isn't the job I just want to have until I until the job doesn't exist for me anymore. I, this is exactly the kind of thing that I should take the interview for. So I went in and had just a, a great talk with the the team that was there and is still there, and it was um, it was re it was really exciting. And I I got offered a a position there, and and I've been at the show since uh, I guess December twenty eighteen. So like around a year and a half, which is it's been really wonderful. And the the pandemic obviously like. Uh, has had like real far reaching and scary effects. But in terms of the production of our show, we've, um, we've been making the show from everyone's individual homes. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit, it was a big tech challenge just to get things up and running. And the edit is a little more complicated than it was, uh, when we were all in the same building and the same studio, making things together there. But I, I think I'm really, pr I mean, I know I'm really proud of 
how the whole staff has stepped up and made a show that feels like really close to um really close to what the show was when we were filming in a studio you know obviously the hosts aren't in the same room so and, and there's technical constraints that stop us from like going out onto the street and talking to people filming certain kinds of sketches right but we're working really hard to like make the show as kind of textured and varied and true to what people expect as we can and i i i'm like really thrilled with the way everyone including including the hosts has stepped up and made everything really um really like vibrant you know what we are what the problems that we're having in fact my teenage daughter just came down just a couple of seconds ago and i'm waving you know we're you know get out you know get out get out uh have you guys have you had any situations where like a cat jumps in front of a camera or you know a toilet flushes or something that yeah no one wears pants or whatever we have marrow's uh home security system has kind of beeped (laughs) a couple times one of his kids uh came into the shot and ended up making it into the show um uh, on monday uh yeah it, there's lots of like these little things i mean we're on meetings all the time like production meetings writers meetings where like a producer a producer's kid will come in or like a dog or cat will wander in and it's mm-hmm. like that's part of it and it's it's definitely a challenge but i think everybody on our staff has been very understanding of each other and like nobody's like oh these kids again it's like right. yeah, everybody's yeah. in a really tough <laughs> yeah i mean i think of all the problems right like of people parents having to like homeschool their kids essentially or like you know be much more su- give much more support to the the teachers definitely than they were used to before um and and being home all the time and and working out of a, a kitchen or a living room and for like like you know that's such a so much <coughs> excuse me so much time and pressure uh, to put on people, parents and kids, and for everyone else to not understand that seems like a little, uh, yeah. a little snippy. Yeah. Right? They're not. They wouldn't be nice people like you if they did that. Exactly. Right. right. It's uh, a very nice staff. There, well, there you go. Um, John Oliver, tell us a little bit how you. Now you used to open for him as a comedian. Is that how you met him? I mean, how, how did that shtick work out? That happened after. Yeah, I, um, I, so I worked for John at last week tonight for five years and i applied as a writer when the show was first starting and i got hired as kind of the ninth on a list of eight basically and so i got hired to do this job uh producing and writing their their social and digital content and i was there for a year doing that job and then got moved over to write for the show for seasons two through five and so i knew so so after the first season like right after my job kind of changed uh, I opened for John in in Boston at the Wilbur Theater for four shows around New Year's, which was really super fun. Wow! Now the great thing about that show, and and you know, obviously, you know how how great that show is. But you know, the way they every week they take that deep dive on a subject, which mm-hmm. is something that no other late night show really does. How, how does that work in the writers' room? You've got, you know, you said there are eight writers. Um, do they like assign a topic? Do you you get sent out for to work on a specific topic for a few weeks? Because uh, obviously, there's a ton of research involved. Yeah, it's. I mean, there are the writers who there will be writers who are assigned. You know, a writer can pitch a topic and then have it kind of assigned back to them once it's approved. But sometimes the pitches will come from John or Tim Carvel, uh, 
an executive producer or through the there's a whole separate like research team oh and so sometimes things will come through come through them as well so like the the teams on every story will be like two to three of the big stories will be two to three writers uh a senior producer from the research side a uh, producer who works mostly with like footage and aggregating and culling and producing like what kinds of footage is available to as like to augment what john is actually saying um and so it's yeah the i think the process for those stories is the ideally four weeks from like approval to air and sometimes it's longer if there's like a longer lead stunt or waiting for certain information to come in and sometimes it's a shorter time like sometimes they'll do a a crash story that gets thrown together in you know uh, a week or four or three days or something when there's a story is just too big that you have to do it this week right well, that's just that sounds just like me and Rick. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. In fact, we started working on this show about a month ago. Right. It, so. it was pre-pandemic, and we, we just got lucky with the pandemic. Uh, you know. I think you're the first person I've heard say that. <laughs> um, you have won. What did you win? Four Emmys, two Peabody Awards. Or, yeah. Uh, good Amazing. Now, you know, you're just a kid from Massachusetts, you know, and all of a sudden you're walking the red carpet. You've got these. You know, these Peabody's and these Emmys, I don't know if you're carrying them around with you. I would, uh, <laughs> you know, um, this has just got to be a, when you, when you, and you're only, what are you, 35? How old are you? 35. Like, yeah. yeah. So he's a kid. Have, he's a kid. He's a kid. And you, I mean, you have knocked it out of the park and do you ever like think back and you're like, holy shit, you know, this, is, <laughs> yeah. you know, how the hell did this happen? You know? And, uh, you know, I, we're proud of you, kid. Thank you. I mean, I feel I try to make sure that I'm like in touch, not in a super like woo woo spiritual way, but just like in a very practical way, feeling gratitude for the things that I've, you know, been able to experience and accomplish like in life and career, just because like to not do that is real ungrateful, it seems like to me. And it's like, it's the best way to feel good about them right is to like appreciate them and go man what what a what a good fortune that i've had that like my hard work has paid off in a way that it doesn't for everyone and that i've had these these really exciting and and lucky experiences to be like part of things that are bigger than me and to get to reap those kind of rewards is is like incredibly overwhelming still and gratifying and so i i try to be very like conscious of that and you know, i have periods of crankiness of like oh why didn't i get booked for this or why what could i not sell that and uh i think the the cure to it is like oh well i'm in this position where like my job is doing this creative work that i really like and find really satisfying so i should just like do more of that and and feel very grateful for what i have is the, is there anything that you wrote for that show while you were there that you're particularly proud of? Oh man, I I really was I felt very good about kind of some of the harder, thornier stories that I was able to work on with other people. Like obviously, nothing was um, nothing was a solo project, sure, but sure. I got to do this. Uh, I got to do a couple stories about like abortion restrictions that i co-wrote and you know obviously there were other producers and stuff and john and tim had had real strong 
guiding hands in it, but I co-wrote those with um, my friend, who's right there, and who's involved. Which, you know, just the, the idea of doing a comedy show yeah. about abortion rights is, yep. you know, impossible. <laughs> you it, know, most people didn't even try. It was a heavy lift, and, and I'm really happy with how they came out and, like, what we did. We did – there are these crisis pregnancy centers, which are basically fake clinics. They try to look like clinics, and they try to convince women to not get abortions. Right. And so we – set up one in the studio because some of them operate out of like vans so we brought a van into the studio and called it van parenthood and rachel dratch <laughs> was part of that little sketch and it was it was really fun and and I, I was really satisfied with like how the um how we were able to pull it off and and, and jill and i also did a uh a piece about like the opioid crisis um years ago which was like incredibly heartbreaking to just do the research and, and watch the footage about to to like start crafting that um but also i like the really dumb stuff too like occasionally to get really stupid stuff on the air it was very uh gratifying to me i did uh i wrote a piece that was like not well remembered or well loved it just like kind of disappeared but there was this app that was kind of flared up and was quickly squashed like it came up in beta and everybody just made fun of it for a full week it was called people and it was the idea was that it's like yelp for humans where you like people in your <laughs> oh life my God. Oh yeah my God. It, this was probably 2015 so probably yeah. like five years ago it's also called they, twitter <laughs> yes but it, this is like you sign up for it and you get like scores and reviews right? at the store but a person and uh and we got i pitched doing an app like a an app called people where mario van people <laughs> rates everyone individually and god that's great that's it's great. so stupid it was like truly the dumbest thing and it was it ended up airing like as kind of like a, a very quick little button on the show but it's so Oh, funny that we got Mario Van Peebles for that, and it like makes me so happy that it exists. I love. Oh, that. I got. I'm gonna go immediately on YouTube after this to see. <laughs> I think that. there is one YouTube link to it. Oh God, I've got to. Um, you know, another thing that you've done, and many people may not be the, know about this, but the Seinfeld Today Twitter account uh, that you're not doing anymore, right? It's have you you discontinued a few years ago. You discontinued it. Or yeah, what? we just kind of. My friend Jack Moore and I co-wrote it and we kind of just let it um let it run its course and so it's all there but we it's uh you know it still exists online but we didn't uh we don't update it anymore um but it, yeah, it was really thrilling it was like truly the first thing that i ever did because it had so many followers at its peak like seven hundred thousand, maybe yeah. eight hundred thousand, that it was the first thing that people would go oh you're the guy from that and you know right. i was one of two guys from that but people like i would get it introduced at with that as my credit at a stand-up show and people would be like whoa uh, that, <laughs> that guy like we know and like that thing and it was like so uh, I, I never had that before. And I have a couple things, you know, since like people know Jesus and Marrow, people know Last Week Tonight. Um, sometimes people come to shows to see just me on purpose. That happens. Um, <laughs> but like that was the first time that I had like a credit that pe that like you could feel it resonate with people mm -hmm. in the room. Uh, and for people that don't know what you did on Seinfeld today, you tweeted as if, you know, as characters in present day that had Facebook and cell phones right i mean 
the premise of the, the yeah, it was basically just like if science were in the air, what would be like what would it be like? What would be the log lines for episodes? What would be some sample dialogue? It was very fun. Um I really uh, I really liked doing it. It was a real you know, just silly fun uh project to work on with Jack. And I I'm like I it's so weird to feel this sincere immense gratitude for a uh, parody twitter account like yeah. what a time to be alive but it really uh it, it really like did so much for my career did you ever yeah. meet any of the seinfeld people or hear from any of them we a couple of people commented on it which was very fun it uh, jason alexander i think tweeted something really nice about it and Larry David was like confronted with it at some point was like, Hey, what do you think of this? Have you heard of this? And he was like, this is annoying to me. And I think to, in, to <laughs> That's a badge of honor, Larry, right? Exactly. Yeah. To inconvenience Larry David is like the experience oh my God. from Larry David. <laughs> That's the authentic. It may show up in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm someday. Yeah. So I know you still do stand up. Um, uh, you've been on Conan and Late Night with Seth Myers, and you've obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, done a bunch of other stuff and in this world we're living in uh, you, obviously you can't go out and do shows anymore mm-hmm. but if people want to follow you where can they follow you you they can find me at twitter and instagram at josh gondelman g-o-n-d-e-l man um they can read the the book nice try stories of best intentions and mixed results and I have a brand new podcast called make my day that just um debuted a couple weeks ago well, your podcasting brother uh, you yeah. know, Josh, you may not know this, but and we're doing FaceTime now, so I'm going to show you a picture of me. Uh oh, I'm rocking the bald Jewish guy with glasses look, but I'm about 20 years older <laughs> than you. So here you go. Look at look at the screen. That's what you've got looking forward to. That's very 22 funny. years, I mean, pal. I my face tracks so closely with my own father that it was like you from already the time know. I was a child. It was like, oh, the ghost. Uh, Gosh, who's, who's joking? John Fish refers to something as the ghost of Hanukkah future. Uh, on, uh, photos from an online dating profile. And that's that's how I felt looking at my dad forever. Oh, God. Well, I, thank you. Oh, you're 35. It's not so funny anymore, is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being on the that's show. We've enjoyed talking to you. And we wish you the best of luck. Awesome. And keep up, do- keep up doing the great work that you've been doing. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Hey, thanks, Josh. Bye-bye. Thanks, buddy. Well, he lives up to the hype. The nice hype. You there, Dave? Yeah. He's a great guy. Just a really uh, – I, I went to Hebrew school with, with several Josh Gondelmans, and he are the nicest Josh Gondelman. <laughs> you know, I was interviewing uh, Mark Silverman. You know who he is? Yeah. The, Sylvie, from from, yeah, the, the radio personality. Right. And uh, he's he's got cancer now. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was interviewing him for my uh, column in the Illinois Entertainer, and he was giving me so much medical detail. I said, okay, Dr. Silverman. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there are quite a few Dr. Silvermans. <laughs> <Yeah>, <right. laughs> that was yeah. a pretty funny line. Uh, well, we wish him well. We, will, we, do. we wish Sylvie well. So. And thanks again to Josh for coming on. And if you want to find our show, you can go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. You can search for Radio Misfits. We'd like to thank our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. 
We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of... Minutia Man. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we talk about Hyundai's new nature sounds for drivers, plus a new Ferrari for non-Ferrari buyers. Hmm. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about a little something called Project Restart, which is what? Yeah, professional teams in the Premier League are coming back, individually training. We'll see what happens. All right. If you want to find free kicks, go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Search for Radio Misfits.